0: So we are, I want to say back, the Bobby Nutrition Podcast has been running, I think we got to about 20 episodes before I realized that it was it was quite difficult to fit in, but this is the rebirth, is it not? It is. Yeah. So with, um, with the episodes moving forward, I think we're going to do them every two weeks. Some of you will have, well, first of all, not even seen me before but some of you will be very familiar with what we do at Bobby Nutrition. But if you're not, we focus very much on not just weight loss. That's kind of the byproduct. What we try to focus on is the drivers behind that. So what are, what are those subconscious patterns? What are those negative thought patterns that drive you to use food as a coping mechanism? And, what you'll find is similar to what we find with a lot of the clients is we don't talk about weight loss that often. It comes into it. Of course, food's important. It's kind of Bobby nutrition, but in the end it's everything that's driving it. And that's where we want to try and take the podcast. It's where we want to try to take a lot of the questions that you guys um, bring to us. So, um, so yeah. And of course the format's slightly different because We've got a pretty sexy studio. And I'm here. And, well, you beat me to it. So the wonderful Jessica is here. So Jess, um, the mother of my child, um, <laughs> is uh, not just stepping in. I mean, you're going to be with us for a while, aren't you? Doing I hope this? so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do moving forward is probably taking people's questions and things like that. But what we thought would make sense for the first podcast is seeing as it's like a rebirth, let's try to understand, you know, why the hell I'm doing this, where it all came from. Some of the challenges that I get from people, you know, why the hell do I even have the right to talk about um, or help ladies? Cause not exclusively, but primarily we do work with ladies in the program and um, I'm basically going to go. gonna
1: pick his brain and just figure out who you are.
0: <laughs> yeah. should we get going?
1: <laughs> yeah, let's get going.
0: Cool. you got your S- notepad. I do. Sweet.
1: Um, number one. <laughs> so where did Bobby Nutrition begin? The very beginning. Take us back.
0: The very beginning. Well, I had met you.
1: I was the reason for it. (laughs) I'm the reason you're here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, she is. I am. She is, to be fair. Um, So COVID happened and we hadn't long met, had we?
1: We'd been together maybe like five months.
0: Was it even that long? Mm -hmm. Was it? Mm -hmm. And COVID happened and we had this discussion, didn't we, at a wedding the other day, which is that kind of... It was like the make or break for a lot of couples. Unfortunately, it was it was beneficial for us yeah. because you know you either never saw that person again,
1: or you have to move in with them. <laughs> or you have to move in with
0: them. So I was kind of lost.
1: So in you came,
0: yeah. And um, and I was working at the company that I was working for at the time. And it was all right. I was actually at the time, I was very proud to say that I was part of that company, but maybe I'll come to this later on, but I'll find that the reasons behind that um, were arguably toxic in some ways. They were at least coming from a, a um, a very kind of vulnerable place, but conversation for a different day. And I was at this point where... I wanted to prioritize myself and do something for me. Had I started doing any business stuff by the time I met you?
1: You, Your plans when you met me was, you were thinking of opening a gym. That was your business plan you were doing.
0: Yeah, that was right. And
1: then you started with uh, Danny in the yeah. program.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> um. So at that point, I just wanted to do something that was for me, which is what you need to do. And it all kind of happened by accident because I just, as I do now, I just wanted to help people, but um, there, there, there was never a business involved. It was nothing, it was never meant to be a business. It was just to grow Instagram, to help more people. So I found a mentor in Danny and Dylan, Dylan's actually part of the business now mm-hmm. in, a, in a different capacity, which is interesting. Um, and those guys helped me grow my Instagram account back in the days of some of you guys will will be familiar with those those infographic posts, those which is terrible.
1: Like, infographics. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the cartoon posts of like
0: Bart Simpson yeah. saying, "This is a good workout split, and this is not a good workout split." Oh,
1: I hated them,
0: and um, they worked though. They, they, did, they did work. But this is, this is why it worked. Because
1: but they weren't very, they
0: weren't you, were they? No, no, they weren't. And I, at the time it was okay because I didn't even know who my audience was then. Did I, I just wanted to get into the space. Like I just wanted to open a gym. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And once I jumped into that program with them, I, my, my mind was focused then. And, what, how long was that? Was that six months? Was it a year? It might no, be.
1: it was about six, seven months that was you it? were doing that for before you started to.
0: And then the guys who owned that pivoted into say, well, we're going to do business coaching now. I was like, cool. Not a fucking clue how to do that. You can help me. I didn't even want to make money. I didn't, you know, it was never meant to be pe- that. You were doing it for free. You I was doing coaching it on the side. You were coaching people for free, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I was coaching people for free. I was doing everything on the side of uh, my other job. And it just got to, time went on. And then let's say another six months went by and I was like, oh my God, so people actually want my help. They want to pay for my help. That was really, that was quite weird. And if any of you are listening and you're thinking of starting a business, that is imposter syndrome is existent within everyone. Mm -hmm. And um, (laughs) we've come a long way since, since those days. And at that point, the business the brand, what I was trying to do was essentially help previous versions of myself. So it was sort of like a relatively normal dude, was previously uneducated about the science behind nutrition. Who
1: wanted to get fit.
0: Who wants to get fit. Yeah. And also my approach was not to give like a meal plan out or anything like that, but was to give the evidence and the science behind how everything works. So then you can take that away and you'll never need a coach again for the rest of your life. That was the premise behind it. But that got boring really quickly. Um, maybe because it was saturated, the market, if I'm being honest, maybe because I found it quite difficult. Maybe that's part of it. But to be completely honest, it wasn't my passion because I was recovering, well, recovered, however you want to describe it, um, from alcoholism at that point. Yeah. And what got me through my alcoholism was a very different approach to the AA mentality, I call it, which is um, AA is different for different people. So I know it's saved God knows how many lives, but didn't work for me because what I took from it was a very avoidance-based mentality, which whether it be for alcohol, for food, whatever, it's not the best way to go about things, especially with something like food, which you kind of need. So to avoid, you know, all of these You know, chocolate and things which are around you all the time, it's a silly model to try to follow.
1: It's not attainable.
0: No, it's not. And once I then started talking about how I recovered from alcoholism, which was because I was relapsing over and over and over again. And then naturally what comes with that is it is shame whether it be from other people, only because they care. So this isn't, you know, meant maliciously towards anyone. That's what your friends will do. They don't, they're not experts in how to help people through alcoholism. So they will get so pissed off with you. They'll be like, sort your fucking life out, mate. And that brings elements of shame. And then, you know, what do you do when you feel shame? You use the only coping mechanism that you know and rely on that works best. So for me, it was alcohol. So that was happening over and over again and I was relapsing. So what helped me recover was understanding why there are so many insecurities there to begin with and how I can manage the biases that drive those choices in the end. Once I approached it from that angle, lo and behold, Fixed, terrible term to use for this context, but yeah, it was it was it was <laughs> fixed, um, and therefore my passion became how how this thing works. So once I started talking about that more, this very specific type of lady, la- I'll emphasise lady, started approaching me, and she started saying, "Oh my god." That's exactly what I have, but with food. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of clicked. I was like, well, it doesn't matter what the coping mechanism is. Of course, different coping mechanisms have different ramifications. And from a physical withdrawal perspective, they're very different within their own right. But in terms of what drives the requirement to use them, there are, it's not too dissimilar from which coping mechanism you're relying on. Once I realized that, and I can actually talk about my passion. That's when it came out of me. And that's when even more passion came out of me. And it took some time. But once we then started linking food to the mind, it created the model that we have now. What was the question that we even started with?
1: <laughs> <laughs> where did it begin? <laughs>
0: where did it begin?
1: Yeah. Well, the, you, no, you've answered it. That, that is where it, it quite well. that's where it began. So, But where is it? Well, where has it got to then? Where's it come to now?
0: Yeah. So, so from
1: you, uh, Rob, in my flat, <laughs> in my bedroom, just on your own, while she's supposed was, to be that working.
0: Was a flat, wasn't
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It was shut up. It was okay. Our house is nicer now. It is nice. Um now. but from you, just on your own, in the bedroom, just you know, yeah. giving out free advice to people to mm-hmm. like, where are you now? Explain how far you've come.
0: Me? Or the- the business and the brand.
1: They're the one and the same. Yeah. I would argue.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, it's it's chalk and cheese. So we I think that I think that's a really good point to start on actually is that now we know exactly who we're working with, which is what we didn't know at the beginning.
1: Yeah, it was because a mess in
0: the beginning. <laughs> it, well, it, because like, you just, you want, you want to help people, but you don't yeah. know who you, you know, that's, that's something that just takes time. Um, and like I said, as I started talking about this very specific way of managing food, a very specific type of individual started coming to me to the point now where when I produce content, like people will sometimes get angry with me. I know we're probably going to talk about this later as well, but people get angry with me. Like, how dare you exclude men? And I'm like, I'm not, Excluding men, I just don't work with men for the most part. So I'm you, not saying you that
1: have worked with men. You will got men work in the with program. them. It's no. just that they don't—they
0: don't approach me. They
1: don't come to you like the yeah, women do. It's, it's
0: not—and um, the data substantiates this. What, what did you say? Sorry, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and the—and um, the data substantiates it. That, and, and common sense as well. Unfortunately, the because of societal pressures, women are much more victim to what we're talking about than men. It's as mm-hmm. simple as that. Um, so we have a team now. We have, um, our own food freedom coaches in the program. Um. How
1: many are in the team now?
0: Jess, Emma, Tyra, Rose, and Alice. I didn't forget any, did I? No. Well, we, they're
1: we'll the coaches and later. then you have other.
0: Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, we've got back background stuff that has to be ran. Um, but the most important element has to be how you maintain a program. And this is where a lot of programs go wrong. And I've seen it happen, not to name names, not the time or place. Tell me later. (laughs) Yeah. But there are plenty of programs that are fantastic at selling and fantastic at marketing, but have fuck all to run the program. And it just crumbles so it's exciting for a year, maybe a bit longer, but um, there's, there's, there's nothing there's nothing, there's nothing really there underneath, whether it be from, from, from a logistics and a practical perspective or from like an emotional and a moral perspective as well. The reason that we can do what we do to the level that we do it at for the duration that we're lasting is because we'll only take in coaches who actually care. None of the coaches haven't been through shit. Every single coach in the, and I say this to people on on calls and they jump on a call with me and they're thinking of joining the program. I'll say you can't be a Bobby nutrition coach unless you've unless you've kind of experienced something
1: unless you've been through something unless
0: you've been through shit um because empathy can't be taught. it, it has it has to come from within. <laughs> you know um it has to. It's, it's, and I noticed that this a lot now, which is what we do is, is becoming quite popular. It's almost trendy. Mm -hmm. And you can tell the difference, I think, between people who have read it in a book and get it. Um,
1: So why, why do you think you're, why do you resonate with the women so well? Because of your past?
0: Yeah. When, do you remember when I I got off a call with, with, um, with David, one of the lads who who reminded you of you? Yeah. Yeah. That's why. So I cried, didn't I? Like I was relatively, I always cry. I was relatively inconsolable (laughs) because I'd spoken to this guy and I was like this, this lovely, kind and 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 for lack of a, a better term, beaten up character, who was clearly so giving in all elements of his life. And this is the same for all of the ladies who we work with as well. Um, I just realized, I said before as well, he reminds me of me. So I'm kind of bigging myself up there, aren't I?
1: <laughs> this, beautiful <laughs> this beautiful, kind. beautiful, handsome,
0: striking character. <laughs> um, no, I didn't mean that. It goes for the women as well. <laughs> is that they they all hold this incredibly serving nature, every one of them. None of them are selfish. None of them are egotistical. Um, I'll get off a call with them. And I'm not one of those people who will do back-to-back calls because it's just too much. It's too emotional for me because when they describe where they've been, it just takes me right back to where I was. Mm -hmm. And that's why it works. That's why it works. Like that's why we can help them as well as we do. Um, But it is, it's hard. Like those conversations are hard Um, because, you know, the mind, it's easily reminded. And, you know, that nervous system Our brain, as soon as we're triggered, yeah, it will take me back to to when I struggled, you know, secret eating. And I'm not talking about me now. Um, When the ladies come to me about secret eating and when they sit down like here and they'll grab this pillow and put it over their tummy. All of these really intricate details of their lives, you know, for me, found on park benches unconscious in the back of my car by people who cared about me a lot um that that's where it takes me back to and it's um it's heavy but it's why it's good it's why it's why it works
1: do you think you'd be doing what you're doing if you hadn't gone through all of that
0: no way for two reasons one i wouldn't choose it Two, um, I wouldn't have the the practical tools to to be able to do it because Bobby Nutrition Bottle. <laughs> um, none of let me let me be absolutely clear that <clears throat> when I was talking about the importance of empathy before, that's just one part of it, man you've got, you know, we're, we're, we're very good at what we do because we're extremely well read. Um, I spent a number of years every day, painfully holding myself accountable to my own bullshit, my own biases, the values that were no longer serving me uh, to the most intricate of details to the, to the point where, um, it's, I I would take my little orange book Remember my little orange book my little, I've still got one now. You still now.
1: have your orange book. Yeah, but
0: it's a different one now. It's the you same You're writing it
1: for a different reason now yeah. as well, I think.
0: Um, so that little orange book uh, went with me everywhere. So I'd come out of a meeting and work. And I would I used to analyse. look at the
1: orange book and think, what is he writing about every day? Am I in there? Yeah. <laughs> when we first got together.
0: <laughs> you still ask that now. Did you write about me? <laughs> and you never do. <laughs> um, and yeah, I would analyze uh, to, to the smallest detail. How did I react to that boss in that call? Did I, whether, what, what happened in my mind? <clears throat> what were the thoughts that were coming? Was I able to catch them? If so, can I articulate them now? And I would do this for constantly. And this is how I could, this is why I can understand myself to such a high degree now. And like, you know, one of my good mentors, Kieron taught me, he said, once you understand yourself, then you can understand everyone else. Never got a fucking clue what that meant when you first told me. I totally get it now because- we're not that different. We're really not that different. And now everyone will scream like, yeah, but I've been through this. I know everyone's got their own story Um, and they do, but the manifestations of past shit are unbearably similar. And Um, alcohol
1: and eating, you know, it's all coming from the same traumas.
0: Well, it can do. Mm. Yeah. hundred percent. And, um, once, once you take a level of applying the theory, which is where the, re- the book reading comes in, once you, because how many people, like I see it all the time. And I know it sounds like I'm kind of poking at people now, but it's so, it's so fucking trendy now. Like every, every other person is reading a self-development book, but so few people actually implement it. And maybe that's because people don't, you know, people don't have a reason to. It's kind of like a nice to have. But when I read The Sort of Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which is the book that changed it all for me, that's what changed my trajectory with life. I owe everything to that book. When I read that, I didn't read it once. When I didn't understand a page, I would go back and I would note take and I would go back and i cross and I still do it you now. Still I still make me listen to it. to
1: it every night in the
0: podcast. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, you always learn something different because <laughs> I am obsessed. I am obsessed. This is going to sound wrong with myself. No, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Not 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 like mirrors and things like that. But it's so interesting because imagine having this thing. Like you know, people get obsessed with games, um, with books, with 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 any form of hobby. There's a reason that we get obsessed with those things because we want to improve through that. What better way to improve? Well, what better thing to improve than yourself? It's never going to be perfect. Dare I say it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's why I think I can do it.
1: <laughs> like so, when the when the women, you know, they come to you, so and they join the program. Like, what do you help them with? Like, what do you what, what do you get them from and to?
0: Hmm. Good question. Um, when they come to us, like I alluded to before, they're extremely serving. They're extremely giving, they're extremely people pleasing. They have, for the most part, no sense of boundaries because what's happened is they were normally brought up in households where mum and dad more often than not, doesn't have to be mum and dad, but that's what we're exposed to most at that vulnerable age when that amygdala, when that emotional brain is, you know, coming into its own. So naturally what mum and dad instill within us at that age is is fundamental to who the hell we're going to be for the rest of our lives. So mum and dad often shamed these ladies for for a number of things, expressing emotion. One of the, and think about it now and people listening as well. How many people feel bad for expressing emotion? How many times do you actually try to hide tears? We do, don't we? Mm -hmm. When it's an, it's, it, think about it. It's natural. It, it's, it's a human, res- if it wasn't, we wouldn't fucking do it. Well,
1: we always tell Louis, don't we? You yeah. can cry. You know, if he's crying, we never say, don't cry. It's fine. We would yeah. say, cry.
0: Let it out, Go man. ahead. It means something. Yeah. And then we've got to understand what it means together. Exactly. Whereas people were told to go and stand in the fucking corner until they, until they sorted it out, until they gathered themselves. And let me add a caveat to all of this as well. Well, sorry. A side note to all of this, which is that I do fundamentally believe that people do the best they can with the tools that they have available. So people often get offended by this and say, "Well, uh, well, they just get back into a corner because that's how they raise their kids." And you, you can you, you can raise your kids how you kind of want, but you know you can't undermine a child's psychology. A child's psychology is selfish, is is needy takes everything personally, and we can't we can't manage all of that because we're human as well, and we'll have our own moments as adults. um but yeah, we've got to take responsibility for our kids anyway, I've digressed. so coming back to why, as kids they felt like this, it's because they will have been shamed for um sometimes it's specific to food choices. So when I got on a call with somebody and I'm trying to understand them and analyze why they're in the position they're in. It normally comes down to just a few things in the end. One, mum and dad, I felt like I wasn't, I felt like I was taking up too much space emotionally. In other words, mum and dad weren't particularly emotionally available. Um, and this can lead a child, well, an adult to, uh, well, let's start with the child. What will happen in the child's mind is the child will, um, not, not see the logical reasoning and understanding, which is mum and dad are busy. The child will say, why can't I be loved by the people who are meant to love me most? That's, that's the way of it, unfortunately. Selfish, everything's personal, but that's the way a kid's mind works. Um, so there'll be a lot of that. Very, very often, and again, people get angry with me on this as well. Mum, often dad, but more often in the experience of our clients, mum was always on a fucking diet. Mm-hmm. Always. And then that what what again, what that teaches a child is not the logical, um, not the not the logical strategy that is intended with the diet, which is I want to lose weight to feel good about myself. There's there's something wrong within that phrase. I can address that later, but for the sake of this conversation, you know? an adult can understand that, but all a child sees when they see mum is, mum is God. Mum is, mum is the representation for, for, for the, the, for me as a female and, and and how female should be. So this, this pinnacle of what a woman should be is looking in the mirror, calling herself fat, saying that she's never going to amount to anything, that she's always ugly, so uh, naturally, it just it just teaches these ladies that it's 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 acceptable, and they download that information.
1: But that's what a woman does.
0: Yeah, it, it's not a coincidence. It's 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 it, it's it's really quite simple. In the end, we're the ones that make it complicated because we're full of our own bullshit. So we go into denial and what have you. Um. So when they meet us, they are a manifestation of all of that. So they're incredibly insecure, um, mainly with their appearance. And then the irony in all of this, I call, I call this the, um, the, uh, the irony and shame cycle, which is that the shame that they inherently feel is normally in relation to how they look. If it's not just about how they look, how they look is one manifestation of a collection of shame that they feel. but then what will they use to soothe that shame? Food. And what does food do if you overconsume it? Mm-hmm. It adds more weight. So then the cycle goes round and round. Um, so that's the point that ladies are at when they come to us. They've always tried every single diet under the sun, but the reason that those diets don't work is because diets are logical strategies. Driven by a completely different part of the brain to what is actually going to help these women for the rest of their lives. As adults, we're analytical, we can calculate. If we're in the right place and we can manage ourselves well enough, we can take a step back from a situation. And we can, we can, you know, when Karen from Customer Services sends us a bitchy email. Karen. (laughs) Yeah. We can, we can, we can sort of step back sometimes, not always. And be logical about it and come back to it the next day. And more often than not, we will be like, okay, well, I better not send that angry email back because I've calmed down myself now. Same with diets, whether it's calorie counting, which is fine, whether it's Slimming World, Weight Watchers, any of them. The reason they don't work is because they are logical. They're about counting sins, counting points, counting calories. They don't mend the trauma driving the requirement to use food to cope with something so much fucking deeper so well what did i say these ladies feel more than anything by this point in life shame Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and now they failed again and again and again and again at these other things that all of these other people can seemingly do without a care in the world
1: i remember the tiktok you did where it said like it's, it's saved your life. Like the food has saved your life. It's kind yeah. of like that, isn't it?
0: It is. Um, like they're
1: using it for something that's happened to them.
0: Yeah. And this is something that always gets me teary again, <laughs> is <laughs> when people can finally accept the, let me reverse. When people have used food their entire lives, and they don't even really understand why. It's just an instinctive reaction. It's what they've learned to use unconsciously as a coping mechanism. Because of the social stigma that comes with the results of that subsequent overeating for years and years and years of that consistency, which will bring, you know, being overweight, um, the shame cycle starts again. So what instinctively, sorry, what naturally comes with this woman as well is, is a sense of people pleasing and comparison. So she's obsessed with what all of these people think of her, which, which just rubs salt into the wound. Whereas if we can take a step back, if she can take a step back, and when she looks in the mirror, just for a second, I'm not saying all the time, but just once, and to mean it, say the reason that this has happened is because I'm surviving through something, it completely changes the narrative. Not all the time, because when you go on your, your merry way, there's pricks in the world who might point and say something nasty. Then you feel like you're at the start again. But that's why accountability is important and tools and what have you. But what's driving all of this is something that happened a long time ago.
1: So the women come to you, they're in this bad place. And then what happens from, you know, when they come on board?
0: They. I don't want to go into the technicals. No, not the technicals, how but how do
1: you... How do you get them into ready to leave?
0: It's, um, I would say the most important part of it is creating a new identity. I don't have the percentages to hand, but I would say over 50% of the ladies who have come to us have lost weight before, but all the weight came back on. And the reason for that is because they didn't create a new identity. Because when people lose weight, they're losing weight because they want to be happier. Whereas they don't realize they don't want um they don't want this weight loss. They want the feeling and the fulfillment they, they believe that weight loss is going to bring them. It's always about a feeling in the end. It's never about something as fickle as what we look like. It's always going to be something deeper. That's why yeah, enough that's money you think is never you'll enough.
1: Feel once yeah. you get there. We always
0: want more money. We want a nicer car. We want um what a nicer wife. We want a nicer husband. <laughs> um, until we spend time with that thing, realize, hmm, I'm pretty much the same person. And either they try and get more of that thing or they replace it and find a different one. Another diet, another husband, another wife. People believe that um, losing weight or having more money or whatever this thing is, is going to- um, fulfill them. And then they realize why things kind of feel, it's its a bit sexy at the start. It's like maybe you get more attention from people, so-called positive attention, whatever it might be, but it's short-lived. And old habits creep up. Well, they're still there because the only reason they lost weight in the first place was constant conscious motivation. So motivation is conscious. It's driven by our conscious mind, that's not going to last. You can't use your conscious mind all the time. The the majority of what we do on a day-to-day basis is driven by our subconscious mind, our emotional brain. So that's always going to win in the end. And that's not the part that's worked on with these other diets. So what happens is they, um, they lose the weight because they've consciously tried so hard and they've got to their goal. Yes. But those subconscious patterns are very much still there underneath the surface, just brewing, just waiting to come out because the trauma that, that implemented them there hasn't been looked at or addressed. So with with our ladies, we ensure that they create a new identity. Believe it or not, the only thing that is potentially scarier than failing, whether it's weight loss or whatever, failing, I use the term failure, it's arbitrary failure, I can come to that separately, but in that person's opinion, failing... um, is succeeding because if they succeed, they don't know, they don't know that person. They've never been in that mind before. And let's look at it from a neurological perspective now. The reason that they are are here talking to me at that point is because they've survived. So our nervous system, our brain, it's not meant to make us happy that's not the point of it. It's meant, it's it's just there to keep us surviving. That's its only, that's its main purpose. It's not meant to make us all happy and loving and things like that. Um So if it's worked up until that point, it's served its purpose, it's gonna fight you tooth and nail to break the habits that's got it to that point. That's why old habits creep up so so easily, because what's got them to this point food overeating it saved them from from their nervous system's perspective from their brain's perspective it saved them
1: because it's their coping mechanism
0: yeah so i remember with with my with my drinking i remember sitting in in a recovery room and there was a poster on the wall and there were loads there was like you know avoid this local fentanyl going around and things like that it was it was dark and there was one um poster of this man at the bottom of a bottle. It was an alcohol thing. Um, and it said something like, I know it feels impossible to get out of that bottle, but it's possible. That's bringing it back to your question before. That's why I resonate with these ladies so much because I know so you'd you literally feel like you're stuck forever. It, you can't imagine it's easy to sell a weight loss plan. Cause you sell there's a before and there's an after. How do you sell happiness?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a feeling. It's so difficult to portray that to somebody. It's my job. I suppose that's what I've got to get better at. But th- th- that's, 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 that's where they can actually get themselves to. That's where, that's the identity that I couldn't even fathom. Um, So I think, yes, okay, we help them with emotional regulation tools. We teach them um, how to understand the trauma that's driving them. I think it kind of happens in two parts. One, you have to go to your past to try to understand and connect the dots as to what's driving, um, let's say, you people-pleasing, or you reaching for food, or you not being able to say no to somebody. And that takes time. Then... It's about developing awareness to when that's happening in in real life. So how is it manifesting today? And then you've got to practice and practice and practice and practice and get it wrong and practice and get it wrong awareness um, to how all that stuff from the past is coming up. The reason this is so hard for these ladies is because if they get that wrong, which is inevitable, it's not like it might happen. It's part of it. It's mandatory. It's a mandatory part of life. Well, what did we start with again before? They feel shame Shameful. after everything. So then they can feel like they're going back to the beginning. So it's constant management of what's happening internally with them. And back and forth with that and managing all of those biases within them until they get to a point where it's not like we don't do it. I'd say to people, it's not a weight loss plan. It's not a weight loss program.
1: Weight loss just comes on the side of it.
0: It does, yeah. It's just it's just a natural byproduct of mending what's needed to be mended for the last 15, 20, 30, 40 plus years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. So my next question is, how do you balance work and family life? Because obviously we've got two kids. One's just eight months. And you, you know, you've got your business Mm. You're a busy man.
0: Mm. Did you ask this? So that I can say how fantastic you are.
1: I'm just wanting a bit of praise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No. (laughs) um,
0: How do I balance it? I think I'd love to say something as sexy as discipline. I think discipline is massively overrated um, because I think what a lot of, Um, influencers and coaches don't realize is they are, they've got to incredible places in their lives Um, on the surface anyway, and somewhat internally. But I I would also argue that a lot of discipline comes from quite a toxic place because this idea that you have to do something at the same time every single day. And if you weren't to, well, things would, would go wrong. They would feel like a failure. That's irrational. I've been there. So that's where it started with. That's where I think it kind of has to start at that point. And it was just go, 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 discipline, 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 discipline. Um, I would, um, at the start, I would wake up at five every day, four for for a long period of time, do that, then go to work. And then I'd come and do the rest every single evening until everything started working out a bit more successfully. So that was part of it. There was no balance then. Now... You, to be completely honest. (laughs) Um, We've got a good arrangement, haven't we? Yeah, we do. I don't mean practically. I mean, (laughs) not like contractually. (laughs) Um, Not yet anyway. (laughs) um, Oh, God. (laughs) Um, I think emotionally we we have a really good balance because you from what i understand love looking after a little one and slightly less little one of course um and i say quite openly that i have to have boundaries in place because if you and we've kind of had to learn this the hard way in some cases if you just like waltz into my office cuz i work at my office is at home if you walk into my office and you'll just casually say, even if it's something small, like just for two minutes.
1: Like look at baby's hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's difficult because at the start, I would feel like I'd be hurting your feelings. But then, you know, you've got to say, take a certain element of responsibility for that as well. So that's been kind of a back and forth, isn't it? Where no, we're got, good
1: with that now. I don't, I now. don't bother you that much anymore, do no, I? <laughs>
0: no. Um, so that's it. It's, it's 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 the boundaries that we have in place as a couple. For me personally, I'm still getting it perfect. I don't want to try to be like this kind of you know, uh, you know, the the ultimate ethos to to work ethic because I still make mistakes myself with it all. But what I what I have found is that you can't just go go go, <laughs> not without drugs. <laughs> You can't. You can't. <laughs> Something's going to give at some point, and and it still happens to me now. Sometimes I have a strict cut off time for the most most part five p.m. or six p.m. We'll I'll cut off, won't I? Well,
1: and we did have that <laughs> that phone box.
0: We did have the phone. box. I found
1: it today, actually. Did you? I feel like we should get it out again because
0: where I put my phone in the phone box, and you can't open it, it locks, for a of hours. and then yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah five a p five p.m. or six p.m. strict cut off but that doesn't stop your mind mm-hmm. and it still happens now. And I have to catch myself again. It's, it's constant growth. Like you constantly have to mind. You don't just fix this thing and then it goes away. You have to manage your own bullshit constantly every day. So I think when I see a lot of my colleagues, um, packing their business in, um, or just struggling, it's because they can't manage themselves. I think that's why I'm toot my own horn here, I really am. But that's why I genuinely feel comfortable doing what I do. I rarely feel stressed, like really stressed. Stuff gets to me, of course it does. People piss me off and I'm I'm human. But for the most part, um, I'm okay with holding other people accountable or trusting other people. You know, I'm not a micromanager. Um, I don't have this, this, I did, Very much so. So that's where drinking came in. So it's to to help all the wounds. (laughs) Um, But once I worked on all of that, um, I I don't, there isn't this- You're not
1: that controlling anymore.
0: Well, I think when people need to be controlling, there's a vulnerability there that they haven't addressed. What are they trying to control? What what really is going to go wrong if you don't control this thing? And I think people try so hard to control whether it's people coming into the program, people leaving the program, what their, what their team do. Uh, and, and it, it just, is enough to drive anyone mad. Once you're able to let go of that and accept that there are no failures, there are no successes. It's only about how you measure it to begin with. And then you can understand that it's part of an ongoing process. Yeah, sure. Thing you're you're going to whether it depends on what your metric for life is at that point, you're going to lose money. You're going to gain money. You're going to lose clients. You're going to gain clients. It's it's in the end what matters. Mm
1: -hmm. And you only have your young family for like a short period of time, don't you? So
0: yeah. And she's an angel.
1: She is an angel.
0: And if everyone asks nicely enough, we'll bring her in.
1: Yeah. She could be a little guest. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, she'd love it.
0: She would. Um, She'd be scratching on the material, wouldn't she? With her <laughs> little claws.
1: <laughs> um
0: Have I answered that? Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
1: Um so obviously you get distractions sometimes.
0: Well, I distract myself as everyone can see. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but I mean, you know, sometimes you'll get like a bit of hate here and there. <clears throat> like how do you deal with that?
0: <laughs> it's all the same, isn't it? You have to manage yourself. But it's easier said than done. Um, I think
1: I get angrier when you get hate than you do.
0: Yeah. I think w- what um, what I've learned is that the it, it only hurts when it's when it's something that you are insecure about. It's something that I use with the clients all the time. What I say to them is um you know some it will really hurt them when people will call them, you know, will fat shame them. And I'll say to them, you know, well if someone came up to you and said you big bloody polar bear in a really venomous way. <laughs> Wouldn't bother them, would it? You'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about, polar bear?" Um, Makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, "Just jump on, <laughs> mate." And, but it was said with the same venom because what this, what we convince ourselves is, it's 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 how they said it. Like, how dare they? How dare they do that to me? And it's almost about it's it's like it's it's about you know how how can they how can they feel so much venom towards us? But the polar bear man felt just as much venom towards you as the fat shaming man. Yeah, we don't care about the polar bear man. We, we care about the fat shaming man. <laughs> Has
1: anyone ever said so something to you that really, really got to you?
0: Well, it will. It will. It, 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 I'll come to that. Yeah. Um, but the the difference between those two things is what was said, and therefore how you internalize that information. So, in other words, you don't give a shit about looking like a polar bear, so you don't find it offensive. But you do care about appearing fat. That's why it hurts. Not to say that's right. You know, you should feel comfortable, however the hell you bloody look. That's not the point I'm making. That's another thing that people misconstrue. So I'll just make that absolutely clear. Um, but you do internalize it. And that's for a whole host of reasons. That's coming back to trauma. How did mum and dad raise you about um, um in the realms of whether you want to call it fat phobia or their relationship with food or society as a whole, which mum and dad are also victims of. So it's a really complex amalgamation of things that drives that. Um, so bringing it back to me, it's how we internalize it. Um, and when I first started off, everything offended me because I hadn't, I hadn't really done any of the work properly yet anyway. And, um, what I've come to learn about myself is that if anybody, what I still struggle with is people misunderstanding my intention. That's quite hurtful still. It's still my responsibility to manage, so I'm working on it. Um, but when people misunderstand my intention, I can bite back, um, which is irrational because if they misunderstand my intention, they misunderstand my intention. So how can I hold them accountable for that? They just don't get it. Um but that's something that I still struggle with. Um, if people, most of the hate I get is when people um, challenge me on how qualified I am. You know, where there's because there's plenty more people more qualified than I am, and it's it's normally a certain type of person who feels that I am fat shaming myself, which of course I'm not. It's like the opposite of, of what I do. Mm. Um, but because <clears throat> I am a sorry, this is an assumption, but. I'm a relatively privileged, relatively educated, relatively well-spoken, normal-looking young man. That's offensive to, to a lot of people with, I'll be honest, a victim mentality who aren't willing to take responsibility for anything. And I'm not saying to lose weight. That's not the point that I'm making here. I'm talking about taking responsibility responsibility internally. That's the responsibility that I'm talking about. So the way that they project that, instead of taking responsibility for themselves, is who the fuck are you to tell to tell me? Well, first of all, we have you have to listen to this podcast and the whole bloody introduction for me to explain it. So a comment section, we're not gonna we're not gonna see. You I could just put a this.
1: link to this podcast <laughs> yeah, if someone <laughs> says <will>. that. <laughs> yeah, I will
0: plug. I tell I like you what,
1: what's like this. It. Yeah,
0: I like it. Um <laughs> But also, you know, there are plenty of people more qualified than me. But there's a reason that, you know, in the program, we have psychologists, psychiatrists, psychotherapists, um, therapists. Um, as students, as clients, they come to me for help. It's, it's because, mm-hmm. first of all, they were able to drop the ego. But it's it's the subject matter at hand. You know, these guys have the qualifications that these angry people in the comment sections would be happy with. But if they were enough, why would they be coming to me for help? So it makes their first point mute in the comment section as far as I'm concerned. Um, there's plenty of things that I can't talk about, so I don't. Or I say I can't. Yeah, and true. I'll, and I'll divert somewhere else.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, do you have you ever turned anyone away from in, the program?
0: Have I ever turned anyone away? Yeah, I have. Yeah, you have. I have, yeah. Um, some, some people are in a situation that, to, to be completely honest, too complex for what I can do or what our, what our coaches can do. I th- I hate that because people, and I see this in a lot of male coaches as well. They 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 haven't learned how to manage their ego, and they take on way too much for what they can handle. And it's it's wrong on every every level. Not it's not just for the for the for the client, but for you as well, as a coach.
1: So, don't wh- time me. <laughs> It's meant to be subtle. If anyone is, if anyone is not
0: watching and they're listening, Jess just sort of like did for me to, to to hurry up. Okay,
1: come on, Rob. Mm. Cool. I just, I have one more question. Uh What it's advice? Fast, isn't it? Yeah, very fast. Yeah. And um, what advice would you give to anyone who's really struggling at the moment? With. With uh, well. Anything. With what you, with what you work with, or um, with anything.
0: I would say it's hard It's hard to give an answer that doesn't sound like bullshit because it's been said a million times before. But if I bring it back to my story in the recovery room where I was looking at that alcoholism poster saying that, you know, with the man at the bottom of the bottle, you know, we know how difficult it is to get out, but you can climb out. You really fucking can climb out. And it's not that, oh, it is, it depends on where you are, but it's not normally as hard as people have made it out to be. It's because everything that's been offered to them in the past is, is bullshit. So there are like these logical solutions, such as diets, for example, the problem hasn't been those diets necessarily, not in isolation or not by themselves. They're, they're a big fucking problem. You know, Diet culture is a big, big problem. But it's, it's the shame that the so-called failure of those things represent to the individual and therefore how they internalize it. So all of us in the end, we're just an amalgamation of everything that's happened to us in the past. So if we've been told that success is this, 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 and that, could be money, could be dieting, could be whatever. And we failed because of the trauma um, that was implemented in our minds as children. And we failed that, 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 and that. We need to soothe that, the coping mechanism. So what I say to people is it's not about strength. Strength and motivation at the start, sure. To make a decision to, to change, sure. But for the actual Sustenance, sustainability, sustenance, I'm not sure which of the two it is, for the consistency that's gonna last. It's not about constant strength. And I think that's why people get so intimidated because they think they're gonna have to keep this, this thing up constantly, consciously trying all the time. It's less about consciously trying. It's more about understanding yourself. Once you understand yourself to a critical degree, well, then you can have compassion for yourself. Well, what happens when you have compassion for yourself when you have compassion for yourself you're not judging yourself anymore if you don't if you're not judging yourself and you have no shame you don't need a coping mechanism anymore now that sounds lovely on paper but that it's a lot simpler than people would believe you've just got to have the right guidance and the right the right way and a compassionate way to understand yourself better
1: thanks rob
0: all right we wrapping up?
1: Yeah, I think we're wrapping up.
0: Cool. So I'll do a little plug. Um so that was the first one. I think we'll do this every two weeks. Yes? Yeah. Every two weeks. Um so if any of this did resonate, there's a number of places that you can you can get help from, you know, with us. We've got we've got the Facebook community. So if you just go onto Facebook and you search the Barbie Nutrition community, you can join that. It's free. So you got access to me, the coaches, Jess maybe. Um, Or people often think as well that I'm not going to be, because a lot of people don't reply to Instagram DMs and things like that. Just message me, I'll reply. So if you want help, if you want support, go to Instagram, go to Facebook, message me there. We can have a chat and we can see if we can help you out.